Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this morning's episode of JA's Recipe for Success. I'm your host, Lori Salarulo, and I'm the proud CEO and president of Junior Achievement of South Florida. You know, we started this show a little bit over a year ago. Uh, we've been in my kitchen now uh, since the pandemic, um, and so welcome to my home. Uh, and someday, soon, I hope, we'll be back at the JA World Heisinger Center at the Lillian S. Wells Pavilion uh, Catering Kitchen uh, in our amazing facility. And by the way, I have to put a plug in because if you have not been there, you absolutely need to go see this facility. I promise that you will use the word wow at some point in that tour uh, or visit. Um, you know, we started this show so that we could bring uh, to our audience on social media and also to our students, the leadership uh, qualities, the ingredients to the success of many of our community and business leaders here in Broward County and in South Palm Beach. And it has been a real success. Um, and this is how our students get to learn and be inspired and be motivated. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you haven't seen all of the episodes and you want to check them out, they're on our website, jsouthflorida.org. And so this morning, I have the pleasure, you know, often some of our guests are people that I know really well and I've known in the community for a long time. This morning's guest, um, I've known of her for a very long time, but I didn't know her. I'd never really had a conversation. And so we recently had a virtual coffee and got to know each other a little bit. And I was it was just such a pleasure. And I said, you have to come on the show. And so this morning's guest uh, is someone that's been involved in our Fort Lauderdale community. She's the president and CEO of the downtown Fort Lauderdale Downtown Development uh, Authority, um, which is a public-private partnership or created, and she'll tell us all about that, by the late legislators to promote growth and investment in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And boy, is Fort Lauderdale ever growing these days. So help me welcome Jenny Morajon. <laughs> I love it. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. So good so morning. Oh, we're so thrilled to have you. Um, and you know, Fort Lauderdale has been my home since I moved here, uh, actually just about 30 years ago this month. Uh, and I can't even imagine living anywhere else in South Florida. Um, I truly love it here and I love our city our leaders. Um, and so I want to start, first of all, And but I was not born here. I was born in New York, for those of you that detect that accent. Um, it's pretty hard not to. Um, but so are you a native Floridian? Where, are you, where do you come from? A uh, quick kind of rundown of my chronology through geography. So I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, but only lived there less than a year moved down here. Um, my folks bought the house that my mom was raised in, born and raised in, up uh, in Pompano Beach. And so that was really exciting. And then when I was kind of the ripe age of about 13, we moved out to Western Colorado. Um, a total transformation. I think I told everyone I was from Miami and I faked a Spanish accent because I just wanted to, you know, be cool at that age. Um, but I had really great opportunities growing up in a smaller town in, in Colorado and uh, went to college in, in Boulder. Long story short, moved down here in 99. 
so just a little over 20 years ago. And um, so I kind of feel like I'm back home um, and we live back in Pompano Beach. And, and a quick anecdote, uh, the house that I grew up in, that my mom grew up in, was up for sale a couple of years ago. And I told my husband, I'm like, we got to buy it, third generation. But we didn't. But mm -hmm. <laughs> so I feel like I'm from here. Well, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, I think when you move around, I mean, going from, from Florida to Colorado, that is quite a shock, temperature-wise especially. Um, but as a teenager, right, there's, there's wow, I, I can't even imagine, right, having, having to have moved, right, from, from where I grew up um, and then moved to a new place in my teenage years are tough enough, right? Um, and so I guarantee there are some ingredients, right, some lessons that came from that um, and that adjustment. Um, talk a little bit about that as a teenager, because many of our viewers are young teenagers. So, Absolutely. Um, well, I'm the oldest of three kids, and we're all almost six years apart in age. So I've always been pretty independent, um, you know, had a lot of my own time. And, and with that, a lot of my own internal kind of thinking. And sometimes that comes with a lot of confidence because you're on your own. So I think part of that helped me get through that transition of being, you know, in a new place. Um, I felt like I could do it myself. I didn't, you know, need to rely on anyone. But, you know, I've learned uh, through the years and still you never stop learning that you don't have to be always independent. You don't have to just keep all those thoughts inside, you know, find the network around you to rely upon. And so when I was a teenager moving out there, um, you know, I made friends. It's a small, small town. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've always kind of been a bit of a chameleon. I can kind of fit in um, with a lot of different people. And, you know, it, when you're 13, you're not really thinking of what are these lessons you're learning, right? right? You're just right. going through um, the best you're you can. Trying to survive at 13. You're trying to survive. So, um, you know, I think it's, you know, having some recognition that your family, whether it's your mom, your dad, whoever's there in your life, are probably making the decisions that they feel are best for for them as a family or for you as a child. And they don't know it all either. But I think believing that they're trying mm -hmm. and making the right decisions can go a long way and and getting through some tough transitions when you're a kid. At least I'm telling my 13 and 15 year old boys that right now. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Yeah, so imagine, right, them going through that. Um, I love that. I mean, you talked, there were like four main ingredients that I pulled out of that. And those are things that I think we don't realize, like you said, what we're going through at that time and the lessons we're learning but they stick with us, right? The things that we learn through that. Um, and I think we have choices, right? You made a choice to make it work, right? Um, and right. to to find a way to fit in in this new place. Um, and then there are others, right? Who might not make that choice, right? It might, it might become something that, um, you know, is actually a detriment uh, to them. So I love that you, you used it in a positive way. So you came back to Fort Lauderdale. Did you immediately get involved in government, public affairs, right? That's kind of the category I would put development. So uh, I, my, my dad's an artist. Uh, he, and, and when I was in high school and parts of college, when I would come home, I worked with him. He, he creates uh, custom lighting fixtures and glass work and he, a lot of beautiful 
pieces, functional pieces for homes. And so the homes that we would visit um, were just spectacular up in the mountains and people's second and third homes, kind of ridiculous, you know, for, for me at the time, but it made me want to get into design, into building, into architecture. So that was the path I took in college. And then I realized just as important as one great building is kind of the fabric of a city. So, you know, all the the buildings, the people, the uses that come together. So I moved into the urban planning uh, really direction. And when I when I graduated college, I, I came down here. I think I just wanted to be an independent young, you know, 22 year old woman. I, I, I had an idea, but not really a plan to go to a University of Miami for architecture graduate school. But within a, just a few weeks of being down here, I was living with a family friend um, I, I met who I met Jose, who's my husband of uh, 17 years this Friday, and um, and and I got a job at the city of Fort Lauderdale as an entry level planner. I was actually uh, I was a host out at the um, uh, Cheesecake Factory at Sawgrass Mills because I needed a job right away. And when I got the call for just the interview, not even for the job, but the interview for the city of Fort Lauderdale, I, I told Cheesecake, I'm sorry, I got to go. And then the rest was kind of history. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> wow. So 20 years ago, started out in an entry level right position okay. in, in the city. Um, obviously, now you're you know, the president and CEO of the DDA. There's a 20 year path there. Something you did worked really well, right? I'm sure lots of things you did worked really well. Um, and so what was it? You know, I always talk with our kids about standing out from the rest. You know, what is it that that made Jenny stand out from the rest? Sure. It, you know, I think that independent side of me um, in many ways lets me say, I'm going to do this because I think it's the right thing and not necessarily ask permission. Now, you gotta be careful, you can't be reckless in that, right? But whether it's in, in personal relationships, life or work, but when you see an opportunity and you can take it, whether it's taking a new assignment that wasn't necessarily given to you, or if you were asked to do A, B and C, but you say, you know what, I can also do D, E and F on that project, um, you know, maybe, taking examples of the type of work that people were doing that were years ahead of me or in higher positions. Um, when I was, you know, taking on new projects or if there was a, a vacancy, somebody, you know, left a certain position, it was higher than me. I didn't wait to be asked or told, can you help out with this type of project? Cause that person's no longer here. I jumped in and said, let me do it. And, um, and I think that really helped, you know, set me apart that my bosses and, and coworkers at the time said, you know, she's going to get it done. Um, you know, having that confidence again, but being very open and willing to learn. Um, so sometimes, you know, not asking permission, uh, you know, not, not waiting. So you have to say you're sorry, but, you know, taking where you see a pathway where a door is cracked open just a little and opening that door fully and walking into it. Yeah. So it's not that not, you weren't you weren't trying to say don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. I think what you're really trying to say is take take that 
don't ask for permission, take initiative. Take initiative. To, to right. jump in and get something done. You know, uh, the city has changed so much in the 30 years that I have been here. Talk a little bit about the work that you've been doing. Um, you know, and then I, I eventually really want to get to the vision as well for the city, because I think that's another part of leadership, right? In your role, you know, what's what's the vision uh, for the city of Fort Lauderdale? I know that you have a part in that. So so talk a little bit about, you know, what were some of the, the maybe critical points over the last 20 years uh, that you think has led uh, the city of Fort Lauderdale to such success? You know, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of it and see change right before your eyes, things you can actually touch and, and see um, and feel. So, and, and I wasn't here 60 years ago, but I'll just give a quick kind of history because our organization does go back uh, to 1965. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for, for some in the community who are here, they'll remember that there was really no downtown. Um, you know, there was not development out pretty much west of maybe the turnpike. Um, but when a lot of that started to change and people started to move towards the center of the, the county or western suburbs, um, a lot of the businesses that were supported by people who lived in, in and around downtown started to go with them. So downtown kind of became a place where, you know, people were living and working and there were shops and it was a uh, supported part of the economy to a place where people really weren't. So the DDA was created to really focus investment and energy and thought leaders on how to improve the county seat. You know, it's really the, the center of the county. Um, so over the years, you know, we purchase land. Our agency can go and buy land. We can, um, we, we then turn that land over to public agencies. And that's where we have the Broward Center for the Performing Arts today, the Museum of Discovery and Science, the Museum of Art, the library, um, parts of the river walk and the parks along there. That was all land that we were able to purchase and mm -hmm. then give back really to you know the public. Um, and those are the crown jewels of downtown. I mean, our office buildings and apartments are amazing because it creates that vibrant city, but those are spaces that we can all go to and we can all celebrate. And uh, so those have been really some of the keystones of, of the agency I run, the Downtown Development Authority. But in the past 20 years, it's really been a focus, and especially in the past 10, of making sure that, you know, in addition to about the 65,000 people who work in office buildings downtown, that there are residents who call downtown home. And we have great neighborhoods in and around downtown, mm -hmm. um, but we have about 7,000 residential units, apartments and condos that have been built in the past seven years. And uh, half of those in the past two to three years. So there's people, there's an energy, there's a sense of community. And that's really what we've been focusing in on is the experience that those residents and employees and now, you know, visitors, downtown's also a place where people are coming to stay in hotels and not just uh, our beautiful beaches. So it's yeah. creating that experience and, and making sure that this place is vibrant um, with all the services that you need to live in a downtown area. Yeah, I do remember when I came here from New York, I had lived in Manhattan right before I moved down here. And I remember thinking, 
oh my gosh, how am I going to live here? There's nothing here, right? There, I mean, there was there was stuff here, but compared to where I came from, where there were theaters at right theater after theater on one block, and I yeah. was coming here, and there was one theater, um, and it was certainly not, I think, of of the prestige, right, uh, that it is today. Um, so I. I have just loved watching it grow. So how does the DDA work together with the Alliance, let's say, right? Who's looking to bring businesses into our community, into Broward County. I have to imagine there's great synergy between the two organizations. Absolutely. I mean, partnerships are key to everything we do. No one can do anything alone. Uh, and so, you know, we work closely with the Alliance team really our, our mission at the DDA from an economic development standpoint is, is kind of the cheerleader of the place, right? So we wanna be out there with a megaphone saying how great downtown Fort Lauderdale is, but then we also have to carry out the important projects that make that real. And so we work with groups like the Alliance to learn what does talent, you know, new employees, what do they want in a city and in an experience and a destination? Um, you know, business leaders that are choosing to open their office headquarters or make new office space um, down here. What are they looking for? You know, is it a certain type of an offering of restaurants? Is it the kind of retail we need? Do we need parks that have, you know, a certain feel to it? Do our streets make sense and they're safe and interesting, comfortable? So the Alliance, you know, they're working directly with these business owners saying, come to Broward, come to Greater Fort Lauderdale, come downtown. And we're working with them to show why. Um, so that's really it. Yeah, I love it. And, and I agree. I mean, partner, I can just imagine the list of organizations that you're you're partnering with. But you, you mentioned something that, of course, is near and dear to my heart and to J.A.'s heart, which is the workforce. Right. Um, and I know that that is from. That's what we do. It's at the very core of our mission is preparing young people for the workforce, right? Whether it's entrepreneurship uh, or working with other companies. Um, and it's a real challenge uh, these days. That's right. How are you involved in, in that piece? Are you involved in that workforce development piece? Not as directly as a lot of the organizations that you partner with or that we work with. Um, but, you know, it is part of our broader mission of making downtown an inclusive, welcoming and successful place to live, to thrive. Um, and so, you know, any great city has a range of job opportunities, right? We, we need folks to help make sure our streets are clean. We need people that are managing restaurants, but also serving in our restaurants. We need, you know, people working in our education institutions and in public sector. Um, you know, there's a lot of different government jobs. So I think what we are trying to do is measure what are those job you know, um, areas and where are there missing pieces? Do we not have uh, certain opportunities in, in certain, you know, job classifications? And do we need to bring those in? Because a great downtown has a mix of opportunities for everyone, not just, you know, the person sitting in the corner office in these tall office buildings, um, but really, you know, opportunities for everyone. So, you know, I think using good information and data on 
different job types and numbers and where they're growing and maybe where they're lacking. Um, the way that we can support that is, is you know, working with our partners and, and groups like JA to really, you know, help bring in especially younger people, right? I mean, we have Broward College and FAU downtown. Mm -hmm. um, we right now don't have necessarily a primary school in the downtown core, but we're working with our partners at the city of Fort Lauderdale and the, and the school district to say, how can we, you know, take kids that are in elementary school and our middle and high schools and bring them into kind of a downtown discussion? What opportunities do you have for workforce for, for the future here? So you can well, anytime you need those kids, let us know. Uh, we're very fortunate that JA has the opportunity to um, impact every single and, and, and interact with every single student from Brock County Public Schools twice, but in fifth grade as well as eighth grade, and then several thousand uh, in high school. So um, always happy to um, provide our kids, right, as, as feedback, because I think we have to hear what they what they want for the future. Right. And look, the way they learn today is so different. The way that they're gonna live is going to be different than the way I did. What they're gonna want is different. And so we do need to listen. So I love that you're willing to do that. And since we're kind of touching on education, we're gonna take a little break, let that simmer, because I've got a couple more questions. Uh, and we're just gonna take a quick break and pay tribute to our teachers. Awesome. I love it. You know, this has been, uh, you know, a challenging year for, for so many, right? Organizations, for our community, for so many industries, but the field of education, right? Uh, I don't know that anybody faced challenges more than they did, both from a, an administration level, as well as, right, our teachers on the front lines in the classrooms. Uh, and so Jay is paying tribute to them. Uh, and anybody can pay tribute to them by going to our website and leaving a special message for a teacher. There'll be billboards coming out and, and ads thanking our teachers because I don't know how our kids would have made it through this year without them. So, um, so thank you for all you do, all the teachers out there. So education, obviously education, workforce, all of those things are part of what what you're doing. I, I also noticed when I was looking at your uh, bio, I want to talk about leadership. You talked about um, never stop learning. And I noticed that you are a graduate of 
uh, Fort Lauderdale Chambers uh, Leadership Program, as well as one that I am very proud to tell you that I actually created uh, during my, my stint as CEO at Leadership Broward, which is Women Leading Broward. Um, and I love that it's still going, right? And that, you know, it really doesn't matter what money I raised for Leadership Broward or any of that. To me, my legacy there was that program, right? Because I knew there was a need for middle level women to learn about themselves, learn about being leaders, right? Were they on the right path? And so often there's, there's learning opportunities for the people, like you said before, in that C-suite. And how do we make sure that we help women get there? Um, talk a little bit about that experience. Why is that so important to you, right? Learning. Yeah, I hear it. Here we go. Chris, I don't know. Ah, there we go. You know, Lori, time means everything. And when I was going through the Women Leading Broward program, I was kind of at the peak of my career at the city of Fort Lauderdale. I was the director of a large operating department, um, you know, hundreds of employees. I was really energized and, 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 you know, we were on a solid track. We had gone through a lot of transition and new mission at the city and that all ended. And it was, it, it was almost overnight. And, and that's a whole nother episode. And I learned so much from it and, Actually, like I said, when one door opens, well, when one door closes, a whole nother one opens. So I'm happy, more than happy where I'm at today. But at the time I was going through Women Leading Broward, I was just leaving my, you know, almost 16 year career at the city of Fort Lauderdale, the only job I've really ever had. And, um, and it, it couldn't have been better timing than to be inspired by the women that came and spoke to us on those class days and to connect with colleagues in the class who had maybe gone through similar situations um, or had never. And I could talk about, you know, how to get through that um, or at least how I was trying to get through that at the moment. But what it did was it made me realize there's a million more pathways out there for me than the one that I've been on um, that I thought I was going to be on for a very long time. And so, you know, whether personal things happen in your life where you're on a path and it changes um, or professionally, you know, to be around a group of inspired and inspiring women um, and in leadership, Fort Lauderdale, it's women and men, and it can right. be everything in between that. I mean, like nowadays. So, you know, but it was just so good to be in an intimate setting where you could speak candidly, not have any sense of judgment and, and get really good constructive feedback and support. You know, we, I, I got a lot of like, just you're going to be fine. And, and sometimes you just need that. So, um, you know, the, the leaders that I heard from Ginger Martin, I mean, I still call myself poco y poco, poco y poco. She talked about climbing, you know, up to the top of, uh, was it Mount Everest? And, you know, so he's amazing. You know, other, other women, I mean, and that's just one that came to mind. So those, those little nuggets of uh, support, guidance, and inspiration have stayed with me through that program, Women Leading Broward. So thank you, Lori, because I didn't know that you uh, you started. I right. did. Yeah, I wanted to bring our leading ladies, right? That's what we called them, uh, to, to, I wanted, you know, 
women who were just entering into that mid-level or looking to figure out how they were going to make that next step from middle level, you know, management, you know, having them hear stories from people like Ginger, like Beverly Raphael, who talked about, right, her husband passing um, and then ending up with this construction company, right, something she knew nothing about and to see what she's done. Juliet Rolick, right? I mean, just some amazing women. Um, then the list goes on and on and on uh, of the women that we heard from. Um, but I think you're right. That support system is so important. And and I, it's funny that you went there and you talked about that change. You thought you were going to be on that path forever. Um, Chris, I just want to tell you, there's still a little bit of an echo. Um, talk a little bit about that. How so? So you got through that one way was by having a support system, right? People that cheered you on, told you you were going to get there, and um, it's you know confidence, right? That, that you were gonna you were gonna get there. What else was it? Because those are sometimes you can get sucked into right that that feeling of of how am I going to make it through here? Sure. I mean, there was literal grieving that occurred, which sounds so, you know, uh, kind of silly in the past, you know, year plus we've been through where people have grieved because they've actually lost people, you know, due to COVID and just other, you know, terrible things. I, I, I left a job, you know, you can get on from that, but I still had a sense of grieving. It was my whole kind of um, character, you know, is what I knew getting up every day and going. So, I think I needed to kind of process that um, and taking that support and that cheerleading, but also, you know, taking a good week or more to just kind of sit back and, and, and let that, that emotion come through. And it transitioned over that couple week period from grieving to kind of power and belief that let me, I, I know enough people, I know enough in the business, um, I'm going to start my own company. I have no idea how long that'll last or, you know, where it'll go, but what do I have to lose? So, you know, I did that and uh, I, I, I only, um, you know, did kind of that, that consulting work for a, a few months, a handful of months. And then I, I came here to the downtown development authority, but I think what that did was, you know, empower me to know that sometimes you have to take a leap. Mm. And, you know, you have to have a bit of a leap of faith um, and believe in yourself. And and one of my other colleagues said, you know, fake it till you make it. And, you you know, that goes so far. You, you, you can only, you know, fake what you don't know for so long before that right. shows up. But if you know enough, you can sometimes fake the confidence until you are out there successfully. And so, you know, that's kind of what pushed me through was. Um, you have nowhere else to go. I can, I applied obviously for, for other job opportunities, but I realized at that moment I was in the driver's seat, which mm -hmm. was really uplifting. And there may be times in my future career where I, I don't have that same opportunity to, to really be in the driver's seat, you know? Um, but, but I think knowing that at the time really helped me push through. Yeah. You know, I think our students so often see us where we are today, right? When we go in and speak with them and we tell them our story. It is until we share some of those times when things didn't always go the way we thought they were going to go, 
right? Oh, yeah. um, and like you said, the door closed. Um, I always say when one door closes, a better door opens um, because inevitably, if you stay the course, as you said, right? And you, you don't let it paralyze you and you let it mobilize you, right? As you said, turning it into power, you find that, um, you know, at the end, there's probably something better that might not have come along if this, you know, if it didn't happen. So, cause we get comfortable where we are. And so we don't always look for those other opportunities. So I love that. I love when you said, you know, turn the grief into power uh, and action. You also talked about action. So I love that. These are some amazing um, recipes, you know, ingredients to your recipe. I want to just talk one minute before we finish um, and talk about your main ingredient to success to hear, you know, what's the vision uh, for you? What's the vision for the DDA? Um, you know, is there some big, bold vision that's coming? Uh, you know, what, what's it look like? So one of the most exciting projects, I think, so far in my career and, and what we'll be focusing on in the next several years is reimagining the public park space at Heisinga Park. So I know, Lori, your kitchen is named after Heisinga and uh, Wayne and Marty were just amazing contributors yeah. to not only our business community, our sports community, but also our community, the people, the places. And um, Heisinga Park is, is land that the DDA purchased probably about 40 years ago, built as a park um, 25 years ago and named after Wayne Heisinga. And it's a great space. Um, we've, we, you know, there's been numerous community events down there, um, a lot for the nonprofit realm. And, you know, it, it works great when there's big events and it's beautiful. It's on the river. It's across from the Museum of Art. Um, but if there's not a big event, it's not really that space that you go to to have that cup of coffee necessarily. Um, you know, it isn't necessarily being enjoyed the other 300 plus days right. of the year. And we really envision at the DDA, my board of directors, amazing leaders of downtown, um, reimagining that space as a space for all that can be used, you know, throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, a variety of activities, um, whether you could go there for a meal at our cafe or restaurant or go sit under trees at a nice, um, you know, table playing chess, or if you're playing with your friends and your dogs or kids running around, you know, just a respite from the city with a sense of nature, of wellness, mental wellness, physical wellness, uh, art and culture, and really drawing the river into the park and the park into the river walk. So mm -hmm. we've been working on a concept um, to kind of reimagine that space and work with our partners, you know, the surrounding landowners, the business owners, our uh, higher education institutions, the Museum of Art, the city of Fort Lauderdale, Riverwalk, and, and really saying how can that park represent where downtowns come, but also where it's going in the next 25 to 50 years, you know, a place for all. So uh, we're really excited. We're, we're in the process of determining 
you know, what that will take, both from a dollar standpoint, from kind of that sweat equity partnership building. And um, by about this time next year, we'll be probably wrapping up a, a formal design process and working our way towards a construction project where that space can be reimagined and still have great events, um, you know, still be a place where the community can come in mass for, for community gatherings and events, but also a place that, you know, for the thousands of people who live around it, for the thousands who work around it, or if you're visiting the hotel next to it, you want to just go out there and be part of a signature park that represents downtown Fort Lauderdale. Oh my so God, this project. is so exciting. I feel like I got the scoop. I didn't know about this. So now everybody got the scoop. <laughs> that is really exciting. And I'm really glad to hear that because I think, you know, sometimes I, I, I believe in all the development that's happening. I think it's amazing watching our downtown area grow. But I think it's also important to have that space, right? That green space and that open space for people to gather. So I'm thrilled to hear uh, about this project. Oh, I want I want you to keep me up to date on this. So, um, and anything, of course, that I can do or JA can do to help, please let us know. Happy to be a part in any way that we can of that exciting project. So I'm going to read some of your ingredients, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me what is your main ingredient to success. So you talk several times about confidence, right? Even when you don't feel it, right? Act like you feel it. And usually it will come uh, and, and you will feel that confidence. Never stop learning. You mentioned that a couple of times as well. Finding your network to support you. You talked about leadership a couple of times, trusting in leadership, right? Trusting that the people above you are, are taking the organization, taking you in the right direction. Uh, and so I think having that trust, there's a book we just read uh, where we do a book club at JA uh, and it's called Chestnut Checkers. And one of the chapters is bet on leadership. And it's all about trusting your leadership. Um, the fabric, you talked about the fabric of a city, right? And I also think about that as the fabric of your team, right? As you're planning uh, and bringing all that together, taking initiative, seeing an opportunity and taking it. Uh, not waiting, right, to be asked sometimes. Uh, be open to learning. Again, you talked about learning above. Partnerships and the importance of partnerships. Um, using data to drive progress. You talked about that as well. Surrounding yourself with inspiring leaders. Taking time to process. I think so often we're running so quickly. We don't always do that. And I love that you took the time to process what you were going through at the time. Uh, turning grief into power and action. Uh, taking a leap of faith sometimes, right? And facing those fears. And that you're in the, you said this, and this really stuck with me, that you're in the driver's seat of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that message, if, if nothing else, I hope that our kids take away from this because they are in the driver's seat um, and they can steer their life, right? Where they want it to go. I don't mean the particular position, but but they have the ability, right, to turn their life into something fantastic. So thank you for sharing all of those ingredients. So we always ask at the end, what is Jenny Morejon's uh, main ingredient to success? Wow. You know, I think it's it's resiliency. It's being able to, uh, and, and there's no just one word, but if I could use one word, you know, knowing that life's experiences 
are going to keep coming at you. Uh, they're going to keep changing. They're going to be that range from the best of the best to sometimes the worst of the worst. And, and you know, having a, some sense of optimism and faith that you're going to get through it, um, but, but not, not ignoring what it feels like and what it means to go through it. And resiliency is actually, you know, getting stronger as things are happening to you to a detriment, you know, whether that's our, our, our world, our environment, or us individually, or as a unit, a team at work, um, you know, getting through just this experience we've all been through in the past 400 plus days, you know, has created a more resilient, um, I hope, society where you have that confidence to get through it. Um, you have the optimism that, you know, we're going to get smarter and better as we go. Um, and, you know, some of that resiliency, as I mentioned, comes from that inward reflection. You know, I talk in my head probably way too much. <laughs> um, but what I've learned is even though that helps me, you know, having that team that complements me, that gives me different perspective, um, that has skills and personality traits that I don't, there's a balance in that. And, and you need that, you know, if you surround yourself with people that are just like you, you're not going to keep learning. You're not going to change your perspective and um, you probably won't be the best person you can be. So, you know, being resilient through change, being a change agent, not being afraid to, to, to own that and do that. Um, that's what, you know, gets me motivated every day and, and pushes me through when either times are tough or makes me celebrate when times are good. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, I love that. This is amazing. And it has been such a pleasure to get to know you uh, through our couple of calls, get to know about the work of the DDA. I can tell you that Jenny, there has never been a time that your name has come up um, and it's, it's come up and I can, and, and I often said, I can't believe I don't really know her. But that it isn't always positive. And, and what you've gotten done, right? What you've accomplished, um, but just your ability to work with others and all, I just, everything is just so positive. So I'm so glad that you are now in my world um, in, a, in a more intimate way than before, just from afar. Um, and so thank you. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks for being the amazing leader that you are in our community uh, and for making Fort Lauderdale, you know, the contributions that you've made to making this such an amazing city for us to live, play and work. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. It was really my pleasure to be here today. Yeah. Well, love it, love it, love it. And get out there, everybody. Get cooking. And we will see you next week on JA's Recipe for Success. Take awesome. care, Jenny. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.